And I tell you guys, lockdown has been a funny old time. Uh, some people have done crazy things. Do you know that? Oh yeah. Some churches have gone wrong. Some churches have grown. Some churches have collapsed. Some people, their marriages have gone into massive trouble. Some people have flourished. Lockdown has been a strange old time. I'm not prophesying, but I almost feel as if I could. On the 10th, why don't you come back? God is a comeback God, true? So no matter what you've been through, and I know a lot, for a lot of people it's been tough. No matter what you've been through, I want you to mark that day in your mind, in your calendar, and get yourself in here, okay? Yeah. And it's a kind of, of course it's a begin again. 22 churches in Camden, six of them are not coming back. Right? They're just going to stay on Zoom. I don't think that's right. We'll decide what to do after we see what happens on the 10th, okay? So everybody, please come back. And I want that to, I'm, I'm very serious. I want that to be a fresh start for all of us. And we'll explain more as time goes by. In fact, this morning, I want to begin that transition to come back. What was it, about eight or nine weeks ago, we began this little series on demonology, which Michael uh, continued last week with blind bruja. Remember that? Rotten apples. Remember that? Rules of engagement. And last week, we're talking about personal kingdoms. Something every single one of you can be very susceptible to, of establishing. I believe it's a temptation just for the human race. And as you'll see this morning, it certainly was for Jesus. There's many life coaches out there. One of my favorite guys, a guy called Stephen Covey. He's an excellent life coach and philosopher. And one of his key points is this. If you can only get people to put the first thing first in life they will succeed but it is not as easy as you might think to put the first thing first what is first in your life what did Jesus say should be first for me and for you do you know what there is a battle for that thing there is a is there a fight for your heart yes or no Yes, there's a fight for your heart. There is a fight for what is first in your life. Now, don't answer this question out loud. What did Jesus say should be first? Think, think, don't speak. You'll embarrass yourself. <laughs> You'll probably get it wrong. What did Jesus say should be the first thing? Christians answer this in all manner of ways. Worship, prayer, <laughs> Loving each other. You get all manner of answers. That's a bit scary. Jesus said, Seek ye. There you go. There you go. The top priority for Jesus Christ was the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to blame Miles Monroe for what I'm about to say, right? So he can get into trouble, not me. Uh, Monroe is probably, the, he's dead now, but was probably the world's leading expert on the kingdom of God and what it means. Listen carefully to this. Miles Monroe, after his studies and written a couple of books on this subject, do you know what he said? It's a big mistake Christian, Christians make. We put the cross at the center. I grew up a Catholic. 
Every Catholic church you walk into, there's the cross. The big mistake Christians make, we put the cross at the center. Now, lots of people start getting offended right now. And he said, the cross should not be at the center. The kingdom should be at the center. The cross was a means to getting the kingdom to you. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross so that he could get the kingdom and bring the kingdom to you. I thought that's a great insight. Other people focus on the resurrection. These events become our focus. And you spend your life kneeling at the cross. Careful now, won't you? Be careful now. Of course we thank God for the cross. But I understand exactly what Monroe is saying. It was the kingdom of God that Jesus bought through that cross to give you. So don't get all religious on us now. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So that's the first thing that I'm to seek. What's the first temptation the devil is going to put before me? Another kingdom, right? Matthew chapter 4. Again the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms first temptation the first requirement of Jesus seek first the kingdom and this cunning devil the first temptation he puts before Jesus and again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and Satan said this all this I will give you if you will only do you know what Satan said to Jesus you know your father you know your history you know your parentage? Abandon it. Come and follow me. Join my club. And I will give you a high position in my kingdom. Look at all this I will give you. And Jesus Christ, who entered this world to, to, to create, to build the, his father's kingdom, the first temptation he had was to take a personal one. Wow. Did he take it? <laughs> Did he take the bait? No. Thank God for that. And this same personal kingdom thing, you'll see it all through scriptures. We looked at it a little bit last week. I thought it was, for me, it's amazing scripture in Matthew where the, the mother of Zebedee's sons come to Jesus and he says, what do you want? And she says, she's a mother. Would you grant, you know, that Peter and Paul, my two sons, sit beside you? You see her concept of the kingdom? Very political concept, right? Would you, would you do this? And Jesus responds to her. Now, remember, Jesus has resisted the personal kingdom. Now he's teaching you to resist the personal kingdom. So he says to the apostles, listen, come here. He gathers them around himself. And he says, you see all the kingdoms of the world. You see the way these people lord it and exalt itself. Don't be like that. Don't let the church become like that. Don't you become like that. But seek ye first the seek ye first the kingdom of God. So step one for me, I, I, I will not follow the customs and the kingdoms of this world. Step two, I will not create my own kingdom. <laughs> now what am I going to do? I've just taken away most of your world right there. What are you going to do now? You're going to build the kingdom of God. It's a totally different thing. There are many kingdoms in this world, friend. Many kingdoms. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of who again was it? United Kingdom and what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let me show you something. This is my what? <laughs> this is my passport. This means I'm a citizen of the United Kingdom. Now, this is my what? Aha, now you see. <laughs> this is also my passport because I'm also an Irish citizen. And you know what? If I live in Colombia for seven years, I've become a Colombian citizen. And then I have three. I'm, I'm getting confused. <laughs> which, which kingdom do I belong to? Very confusing world, you know. Because all these people want ownership of me. You're going to be my subject. going to be my subject. No, I'm going to be his subject. Hello? The Russians in Glasgow. I learned a great lesson during the time up there. Many of the Russians came from Russia with Russian passports. And they applied for visas in the United Kingdom. Leave to remain and all that. And then when they went through the process, I suddenly realized when we got to the point of issuing the passports, guess what? The Russian government do not give you a passport. You, you can't receive a passport in another country unless you return your Russian passport. You have to give it back and they kind of cast you out. They don't like it. Yeah? Like for me, it's okay. The Irish are okay about that. Britain's okay about that. But there are many nations you cannot hold two passports. They don't like it. And I want to tell you something, folks. What do you think it's like in the kingdom of God? <laughs> How many passports do you reckon you can have in God's kingdom? It is a very strict requirement. Very strict requirement. And this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus right there. In, the devil was offering him another passport. Another identity. And he rejects it all. I've got my passport. And actually, it's a ticket to heaven. Don't play games with that. Hallelujah. So here we are. The first thing I need to do is seek first the kingdom of God. Not my kingdom, not their kingdom, but his kingdom. How on earth do I know if the kingdom is here? How do I know if I'm being successful in the kingdom? How do I know if there's a manifestation of the kingdom? Because goodness knows there's lots of church, isn't there? You can go to church every week and get kind of confused there. And I want to give you a few pointers for you to think about about whether you or we collectively, how much are we in the kingdom of God? What are the signs of the kingdom? Certainly sign number one, the presence of Jesus needs to be there. The presence of the king. If it's going to be a kingdom, we need to have a king. Isn't it in Buckingham Palace? If you look outside there, there's a flagpole with a Union Jack on top. And when she's home, that flag's flying. And when she's not home, that flag's not flying. All right? And it's a bit, it should be a bit like that in our houses, in our homes. Atanasi was preaching a few weeks ago and he said a seemingly insignificant little comment, not insignificant to me. He's been sitting at home for a long time watching on Zoom. And I, I, I'm sorry, I agree with Tim. It's not the same. Praise God, it's been great, guys. Thanks to the worship team and everybody. It's been great. You've done a fantastic job. But it's not the same. Yeah. Not the same. Atanasio just spoke the truth. He said, Pastor, I've been sitting at home. I'm thinking, this is dead. Is this church dead? Because <laughs> I can't feel what I used to feel. And then he came in the building and he said, My God, Jesus is in this place. Amen. Amen. That presence is so critical. So critical. 
And I'm like you, I've been in many churches. I walk in, I walk straight back out again because somebody's missing, right? <laughs> Anybody seen the Lord here? And I would, I would really remind you we're in the end times. We have the emergent church in America. That's a disaster. That's not the kingdom of God. They're leading millions away from God. We've got the apostate church. They'll leave us. This is born-again Christians. They become apostate. They leave the kingdom of God. We've got wonky Bible colleges all over the place. Most people ask me, can't pass I want to go to Bible college. Most people I say, I don't think I, I would go. Or if you do go, I need to get a good college for you. Because they're so wonky out there. But I want to feel the kingdom of God in this church through the presence of Jesus. And if the presence of Jesus is not in my home, whose kingdom has my home become? The second sign that the kingdom of God is present is the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He stood up in the temple and he said, he read from Isaiah and he read this. It's the arrival of the kingdom of God. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. That's the kingdom. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen to this. Then Jesus rolled up the scripture and what did he say? Today, today, not in heaven, <laughs> Not next year. Today, this kingdom is fulfilled right here amongst you. Today. Do you know the problem with religion? Pie in the sky when you die, right? Religion will always be talking to you about the promises of the future. That's so true. Pie in the sky when you die or meat in the plate while you wait, right? That's the way they put it. Don't follow that. Jesus here is totally overturning that. And he's saying the kingdom is now. Listen, folks. You know when Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and I will give you everything you need? When? No. Seek ye first the kingdom of God now, and when you get to heaven, I'll bless you? That's true. That's true. That's eternal blessings. But that's not what he's talking about. Jesus, are you listening, folks? <laughs> if you seek the kingdom of God now, I will add all these things onto you now. <laughs> you, what good is giving you some money when you get to heaven? You're not going to use it, right? You need these things now. You need equipping. You need giftings. You need favor. You need them now. And this kingdom is very much a now thing. And the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, the presence of God, his rulership, needs to be a now thing. And I want you... This so affects me, forgive me, Catholics, nothing anti-Catholic in what I'm saying, but it is an absolute reality. I went to Catholic church you know, constantly as a child, on my own, as well as Mass on Sunday, but I just went on my own. But everything's in the future. Everything's about trying to get to that heaven thing, you know, in the future. And what Jesus is overturning that very mindset and saying the kingdom of God has come among you today in this temple. What did they want to do? They wanted to kill him. <laughs> Please enter the kingdom now. Enter the hand in your passports. I said, oh, scared then. <laughs> hand in your passports. 
and enter the kingdom of God. Don't have a security in these earthly kingdoms for they shall all pass away. They surely will. A third sign that the kingdom of God is in your home or in this church is the casting out of demons. And I, I, this is such an important point. This is what we did in our first week. Can I ask you something? If you're not casting out demons, Christian, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, well, I, um, I play the guitar. Fantastic. Praise God. Congratulations. I play the drums. Wonderful. He sent them out to... We did this in week one, right? They were sent out to preach the gospel, to cast out demons. Over and over again, this was one of the first signs. Uh, Jesus was driving out a demon and a man that was mute, when the demon left, uh, the, the mute man had spoke and the crowd were amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out these demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and he said this, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and that house itself will fall. And if Satan's kingdom is divided, how can he stand? And then Jesus said this, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God then the kingdom of God has come among you I love that when you see demons flee what's happening the kingdom of God is in the room and I repeat if you're not driving out demons what are you doing <laughs> when you see demons being broken their power being broken it is a sign that the kingdom of God is in the house when you see powers and rulers that have had people in bondage for decades this is what happened with Jesus he upset the apple cart suddenly people were free for the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners hallelujah sight to those who couldn't see they were blind to what was right and wrong the kingdom of God is among you. Praise the Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. When I die? No. Thy kingdom come today. Thy kingdom come in my home. Thy kingdom come in my life. Thy kingdom come in increasing measure in LFC. Amen? And I, I want to repeat something I said on the first Sunday in this short series. Remember that, I, I love it. When Jesus was entering Jerusalem, the donkey was there. And that donkey's purpose in life was what? To lift up Jesus, right? To lift up Jesus. But the donkey itself is in bondage. The donkey itself is tied. And Jesus sends the apostles ahead. Go and deliver that donkey. Go and set that donkey free so it can lift me up, right? Yes. Our Father who art in heaven, deliver us so that thy kingdom can come. Casting out of demons. I love it. <coughs> the fourth sign that the kingdom of God is among us is when we see salvation. Praise God, we've seen a few salvations here recently. Five or six. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. 
For no one can perform the signs that you are doing if God wasn't with him. Jesus replied, Verily I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Salvation is a sign that the kingdom of God is among us. When people are seeing him, perceiving him, repenting and turning to him. Pray for us, guys. Pray for yourselves that we see more salvation. I don't often give commendations because they're not very healthy, I think, for churches. But I want to give one now to Atanasio and Sarah. Hello. Good morning. During lockdown, I think that couple led about five or six people to Christ. Salvation. It's a sign of the kingdom. We baptized three or four of them, didn't we? Right? Ashton and Charmaine are yet to come. So what is that a sign? What's happening then in Atanasio's house? That's right. Somebody handed their passport in. That's right. Someone gave up. Someone's resigned from this life. And suddenly the kingdom of God, suddenly eyes are opening. People are getting saved around you. Because you've stepped into the kingdom of your God. So convicting point this is to me. How many people get saved around you? Just answer the question. I'm not trying to hurt you. Well, which kingdom are you in then? Are you in the world? Do you have your personal kingdom desires and agenda? Or are you in the kingdom of God? Because the sign, one of the signs, principal sign of someone walking in the kingdom is that people get saved around them. Give me your passport. Edgar, give me your passport. It's okay. <laughs> Hand it in, right? I just love that. I absolutely love it. Fifth sign that we're moving in the kingdom of God is that we, we, we are manifesting the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, held everything together in common. Uh, they sold properties, possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued in the temple courts. I want to draw your attention to something here. <clears throat> the fruits of the Spirit. And I want to give real uh, credit to a second person today. And that's Steve Upple. Most of you know Steve Upple, right? Steve is leading the fastest growing church in the United Kingdom. Good job. Okay? Fastest growing church. Many churches have just literally come on, come under. They've brought the whole thing. Okay, we're, okay, we're handing our passports in. We can sense the kingdom of God. So I had the privilege of going up there and speaking to his leaders and stuff a couple of times. And one of the things I noticed when I was with him, and I say this to my shame, so forgive me, guys. Listen to this. Do you know one of the most resounding thoughts and convictions when I left his church and his team do you know what it was nobody was talking about giftings no titles Steve he's called what that's right because that's his name that's his name 
It's just Steve. No talk about giftings, titles, positions. No talking about how good this person in their gift or this person. Do you know what was reverenced in that meet in the church and in the meeting? Do you know what was the fruit? That's a church that honors fruit. And do you know where they have giftings? In its proper place. The gifts are here to serve the church. And I could sense the high honor of humility and love and kindness. And these were the things that were truly being honored and lifted up. And that's what ushers in the kingdom of God. But it's very easy, like me, to get in other streams and other churches where other things become exalted or honored in a way that they should not be. That's a mistake. You're heading off to another kingdom because this does not describe the kingdom of God. As we have come back Sunday, what do you think, guys? How about we specialize on the fruits of the Spirit? How about we think about the fruits of the Spirit and ditch the rest, at least put it in its right place? That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Sick thing, maybe not so popular, but Jesus said it several times. A sign of the kingdom of God is, has come upon you, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hounded. You're going to be hurt. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind, they hated me first. <laughs> if you belong to them, they would love you, but they don't. And in Matthew's gospel, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things so that the kingdom may come. One of the signs, sorry, it's just true. One of the signs that you are walking in the kingdom is you will be persecuted. And if, there, you know, beware when all men speak well of you, in other words. If you're not being persecuted, again, I ask you the same question. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? If you're not being, because it goes, it go, these two things go hand in hand. I mentioned you some examples from Dublin, which was an intense period, several years, where I was highly persecuted, very famous, you know, all over the national press, you know, but I, that was severe persecution. That really hurt me. But isn't it ironic that that's the time that I probably delivered most demons? So don't expect a round of applause. It just doesn't work that way. When you enter the kingdom of God, you may well be persecuted. In fact, you may well be persecuted by Christians. Just as Jesus himself was persecuted by the Jews. And the last thing, the last way to recognize the kingdom of God, all these things, salvation is happening around me. Praise the Lord. You're in the kingdom of God. I'm manifesting the fruits of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. I must be in the kingdom. People are starting to attack me on the left and the right. Well, analyze that. Could be that you're walking in the kingdom. And the last one is just simply humility. Here's a question, another question. Who's the greatest in this room this morning? You better not say me. <laughs> Who's the greatest among us? They, they asked Jesus this one day. It's a great question. Jesus, Jesus, we've got a question for you. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom? There's a question for you, Jesus. Answer that one. 
And he called to them, he called amongst them a little child, and he placed the child there. And he said to them, Truly I say unto you, that's you, unless you change, you need to change, and you become like this little child, you will never enter the I never entered the kingdom. That's the trouble with the church. There's too many adults. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it's true. Stephen. Stephen Brachi Mesa was preaching a few weeks ago. And one of the things he said that time and in his previous message six months ago or so, he said something that's very important. He said this. We as Christians should be like the Bereans who checked everything out, checked the scriptures to make sure it was true. And he said, you know, when someone's preaching here, you make sure that you go home and you check the scriptures. Check it out. Might be wrong. So Stephen, I say, amen. I agree with you. It is correct. There's a but coming. <laughs> it's correct, but. It's correct, but. Can I have my pen from my bag? I been preaching a very long, 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 long time. What age are you? 30, 44? I haven't preached in 30 years, Tim. I was preaching when you were 14. <laughs> and do you know what I've noticed? See when I'm preaching? There's always someone with one of these. A pen and a piece of paper. And they're looking at me. Okay, you're going to start. I'm ready, I'm ready. Listen, girl. And I start and I say, good morning. Good morning, check it. What time is it? What time is it? Okay, okay. Okay, it's 11.59, he's okay. Cold today, what's the temperature? Check the temperature. They, they sit there and they consider this wise. It's a culture. It's a culture. Do you know what adults do? They question everything. Edgar, go outside. Why? Why, why? why would I do that? Why are you asking me to do that? Right? Adults question everything and they think it's wise. And it becomes a culture. But do you know what I've noticed, Tim? In every church, there's about two or three people with the pen and the paper. They're always there. But do you know what I've noticed about those people? Never grow. And they've got no faith. Always the same. Never. They're analyzing everything and changing nothing. They double-check Wikipedia everything. And they're going round in circles for a hundred years, thinking themselves wise in their own eyes. Stephen, when scripture says be like the Bereans, you know what it's talking about? Doctrine, theology, church principles, practices, protocols. That's what it's talking about. But if you try to take that same understanding into your walk with God, that you're gonna you're gonna come amok there. You're gonna fall. You're gonna that's not gonna work. Jesus said the opposite. So I will be like a Berean. Believe me, I'm more of a Berean than all of you put together. I double check every single thing. That's my nature. I'm a theology freak. So I absolutely do. But, see when it comes to walking with God, I have to lose that mentality and I just have to take his hand like a little child and follow. And there's no explanation. Abraham, get thee up and come and follow me. No question. Yes, daddy. Yes, Daddy. No pen from Abraham. Okay, so where are we going? How long will we be back? When will we be back? Okay? So to enter the kingdom of God, 
I have to become just like a trusting child. I've preached in Poland probably 50 times in my life. The nation of Poland. For multiple different things. And one of the first times I was there. Never forget this. I was staying in the pastor's house. His name was Marek. And we were having dinner upstairs. And he had a son who was about three or four. And we were sitting in dinner over a high window looking down on the street all the people in the cars and Marek said to me little boys listening you know Marek said to me uh, Pastor Mike so what we need your help with is I've got no transport I need a car so I can visit the churches that were planted so can we pray for that and you sleep on it it was night time and tomorrow we can talk about it so we prayed Lord would you bless Marek with a car and would you do that we all go to bed the next day, the custom was the father would get up, get the child in, bath the child and come, come down. But this morning, the child, no go that way. The child ran over to the window and was looking down the street. Mark was like, come in, come in. He wouldn't come in. So Mark goes into the boy and says, what are you doing? And the little child said, where is it? <laughs> where is it? And Mark said, where is what? The car. <laughs> where is it? It's very simple, Daddy. You pray and your daddy gives it to you. What's the problem? Amen? And Jesus said, that's what you've got to be like. Not questioning, will he, won't he? Maybe he will give me God. Maybe he won't. That's got you stuck. You, do you know what? You're too smart sometimes. You become wise and you're, you're concerned about looking wise. That's your problem. Do you know what they say they're saying on Wall Street? No one is so stupid that they can't make money. But some people are too smart. <laughs> no one is so stupid that they can't make money. But some people are too smart to make In other words, they overthink, outthink, analyze, question everything. Have you got your wallet? I have your wallet. Thanks. Praise the Lord. That's great. What? <clears throat> what? <laughs> unless you become trusting do you want it back <laughs> that's next week's message hallelujah <laughs> unless you become stuck in my pocket now sorry I can't get it out <laughs> unless you become like a little child hallelujah <laughs> unless you become like a little child totally trusting to the point and I love Abraham the father of the father of our faith, who does not demand a, a, an explanation from God. God, you don't owe me an explanation. You don't owe me an explanation. At the risk of being misquoted, I'm going to repeat what I just said. I double-check everything more than you. I guarantee you that's true. I've done that all my life. I've done theology for many years. I'm passionate about it. Unwavering about it. So check it out. But I'm giving you a warning that Jesus gives you. When it comes to entering the kingdom of God, that don't work. Because I'm going to call you and you're going to have to trust me without any full understanding. And once you learn to walk like that, you'll start to walk in the kingdom. Because many things are going to happen to you. Many things are going to happen. And if you're going to need an explanation every day, this is going to be a pretty slow journey. So you're going to have to learn to walk and trust and even enjoy that journey. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest geniuses who ever walked this planet, 
Apostle Paul said, I know nothing. I know nothing except Jesus Christ, him crucified, and he I trust, and him I will follow. Every time I've done something that God has asked me to do without understanding it, the end result is normally great. (laughs) Do you understand that? When I do something God asks me to do, when I don't even know why I have to do it, that's when it starts getting exciting around here because I'm actually walking in the kingdom and walking in faith. That's it. I give myself away, Angela. Please. I give myself away. <coughs> what, a, what a fitting and, and suitable song for us. If I could ask the worship team to join me here. and if, Pastor Tim, if you could prepare yourself to pray. Um, when we come back, come back Sunday, I want us to come back in more than just a physical way. And I want to repeat what I said at the beginning. If you blew it in lockdown, God will forgive you in Jesus' name. Just let it go. Forget about it. Move on. Move on. Repent and move on. If your marriage hit a rocky place, no problem. Come back and let's start this thing again. If your ministry went down the plug hole, don't worry about it. Come back here and let's pray together, gather together, eat together, fellowship together. And let's kickstart this church and this Christian life. Many churches are not coming back, I repeat, but we're going to come back. So come and join us on the 10th and let's take it from there. Thank you, Tim. Thanks. Let's close our eyes and uh, 